It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome to Green and Growing live on your Saturday morning, kicking off the weekend, right? Seven minutes after six o'clock. I'm glad you're here listening to 95.5 WSB, whether that's via the radio in your vehicle or at home or maybe streaming on the app or on WSBradio.com. Either way, glad you're here. I was off one week, just one Saturday, and it feels like forever. I feel like I haven't been in the studio in a long, long time. But uh, Nia will answer your phone calls today when you call 404 8720750 8720750 DeMarco behind the glass running the board playing the music making sure everything stays on track and coming up at seven o'clock I have a special guest in the studio I know she's listening in the car right now on the way here Mickey Gasaway from Pike Nursery hasn't joined me on the show in a while it's probably been close to a year so she'll be in studio and her years of experience and wealth of garden knowledge she gets to share uh, you know most weeks at uh, the West Cobb Pike Nursery, but she's going to be on the radio today sharing it with you. So I hope you'll call with some really, you know, different, unique kind of lawn and garden questions for her. But in the meantime, I can answer them for you as well. 404-872-0750. So, uh, yeah, came back from Colorado and that was a good visit. That was a really cool visit. We went out there to uh, see my dad for a little bit. And it was just amazing, the uh, the topography and the climate and all these different things. And one day... Uh, the low was 37, and there were snow flurries. And then, you know, the night prior, it was in the low 70s. So that was kind of a, a major temperature swing that I wasn't used to, though we had a few of those uh, early on this year and maybe late last year as well. But uh, staying in East Denver, it was flat. It was desert-like, no trees. I didn't like it too much, didn't care for it over by the airport. But then the further west you went, the west side of Denver, closer to the Rocky Mountains, of course, there was lush grass, trees and shrubs that I'm used to seeing. So it was just so funny driving west 40, 45 minutes. What a difference that made. But glad to be home, and I was really, really glad to come home to my own landscape and my own yard and just kind of look at all the really beautiful things I had almost missed. Had I stayed gone just a few days longer, I'm afraid I would have missed all the beautiful color in the yard. Um, the irises are going absolutely nuts right there and, and so, right now, and some of them started a little early too. But mine are in full bloom, deep purples, light purple, almost a periwinkle kind of color. Um, I've got a kind of two-tone one that's kind of a cream color and a maroon and yellow. So the irises look great. Peonies, a lot of you are absolutely thrilled with how your peonies look. Those are beautiful. My one peony plant has three flowers on it. I don't know that I'm going to get much more than that, but I'm grateful for that because there have been years when I only had one. Uh, And then the rhododendrons. Now those are starting to fade with the rain, but the rhododendrons look beautiful. And those are from the azalea family, and they always bloom a little bit later than the azaleas. Um, But kind of that same kind of flower, but grown in a like blooms in a globe, almost in a cluster, rather than azalea flowers just being individual. These are all just in one puffy ball on the on the shrubs. And rhododendrons, they can get pretty large. These bushes with large leaves uh, can get pretty big, but they're kind of good for understory planting. You know, so mine are beside the driveway underneath some oaks and some dogwoods. Um, they do like the shade. Azaleas can tolerate full sun a little bit better, but again, all from the same family. And 
It bums me out, the spring flowers like that, like the irises and rhododendrons and peonies, just how short their lifespan is. You wait months to see these things, and then they may only be in bloom 15 to 20 days, you know, if you're lucky. So enjoy all of that while you can. And, you know, I found a great article, too. Peonies are really a great plant, a perennial. They come back. You plant it once, should come back every year. And they set the the buds pretty early, so you'll see those blooms staying on the plant even when it's still cold outside. Um, And they take months to generate that energy and get ready to bloom. And Sandra Parrish was on with me a few weeks ago reminding us that when you see ants crawling, little black ants crawling on the bud, that's going to help it open. That's not a bad thing that you've got ants on a peony plant. But some of you may be looking at yours as you're hearing me say, oh, mine opened. I've got three flowers. It looks great. And yours didn't bloom. And you're just wondering, you know, they're easy to grow. You think they're reliable performers in the garden, but you had some that just didn't put on buds this year. Maybe the buds didn't open. So if the buds don't appear, which is normally the case as to why you're not going to get blooms, this may be some, you know, troubleshooting that I found for you. Maybe planted in too much shade. They need at least four to six hours of sun. Um, And someone on the Facebook page asked me, you know, does yours get morning sun or afternoon sun? Mine's more afternoon. It's not east-facing. But by lunchtime, 11 or 12, and the sun's straight overhead from that to the latter part of the day is the sun that they get. Not saying that that's what it has to be, but that's how mine have done the best. Um, Maybe you recently divided them or transplanted them and had to move them around. So sometimes that could take two to three years for them to reestablish. So that's okay. They're not a lost cause. Initially, if you planted a peony and you hadn't gotten any blooms that first year, could have been planted too deeply. Uh, position the peony buds maybe just an inch or two below the surface. You know, when we plant anything like rhizomes, tumors, or whatever, you have to make sure that those stay a little more shallow. And they don't really need a lot of food. They're not heavy feeders. So you don't want to fertilize them too much. I think I did one shot of fertilizer um, about a month ago just because I was out there fertilizing some other things. But generally, I kind of don't even think about it. And I gave one shot of fertilizer to my azaleas around the same time as well. Um, another one, old clumps may not bloom well because they've just gotten too large. So that would definitely be time to divide the plant in late summer to kind of let it rejuvenate. And then you'll, you know, obviously multiply the, the amount that you have. So that's a good idea. Um, and then premature removal of foliage, foliage, which we never want to do that on anything, um, like right now, you've got all the greenery still from your daffodils. Obviously, the daffodils are done. They're spent. But you still have all the leaves that are above ground. And you've got to leave that stuff because when we're talking about bulbs, again, rhizomes, tumor, uh, tubers, anything like that, all of that greenery above the surface provides energy. You know, it's taking in sunlight and rain and everything. So it provides energy back to the bulb or back to the tuber. So you have to keep all of that on until it's just absolutely faded away. So that's if you didn't have buds at all on your peony. You're not doing anything wrong necessarily. The last one, it just could be environmental. But if the buds appeared and you had them just one, two weeks ago and they failed to open, could have had a late freeze. That was not the case this year, I don't think. Um, We did have one or two. I remember mid-March and then one prior to that. Um, I did cover mine. I covered it with a brown paper bag, had it upside down, you know, just for the night and then removed it. But I don't think that's going to be it. And extreme weather conditions. If you had the buds and they didn't open, it could be something extreme. It could have broken. 
Could have been a pest. It could have been something in the landscape. So don't give up on peonies. I think they are great additions to the landscape, really easy. And also, um, I, I kind of just think of these together, and they're certainly not the same plant at all, but peony blooms are just so large and so unique and so beautiful that I think of dahlias. Uh, as well. And dahlias, I have not tried my hand in, but I certainly intend to. After the advice you're going to hear on the show today, I caught up with Frank McComb, who's the president of the Dahlia Society of Georgia, and we'll hear from him in just a little bit. Now is the time to plant dahlias. So that's exciting. Your peonies are going to fade. You'll be able to have dahlias later on. Just always some big, unique, different, multi-petaled flower that you'll be able to look at. So that is next on my list. 404-872-0750. So just mention the chance of maybe uh, some freak weather, you know, maybe a late freeze or something like that and talking about peonies. Well, I guess a lot of you probably didn't go unnoticed that if you listen to any uh, meteorologist here in the Atlanta area over the last day or so warning of severe weather yesterday and there was hail reported in Augusta and different parts of the state, but Metro Atlanta, not so much. And I don't want you to be like my husband, who's just, ah, oh, they're always wrong. I don't trust it. I use my my trusted weather app on my phone. Um, no, these guys are professionals. They're trained. Human eyes on a weather forecast are much better than a computer-generated app. And I say the same thing about our traffic team, triple team traffic. We are eyes on the cameras, eyes on the roads, rather than just some, you know, mass crowdsourcing populated traffic data. But It's interesting in regards to the severe weather that never was yesterday. uh, Channel 2 Chief Meteorologist Glenn Burns did put this out about, you know what, the elephant in the room was obviously another major bust on the forecast yesterday. The Storm Prediction Center, he's keeping track, is now 0 for 9 on severe storm threats for North Georgia this spring. So already 9, standby, It it may be bad, and it wasn't. So he said, I'm not sure of the reasons yet, but I want to assure all of you we're having discussions in the weeks ahead to determine why. So yesterday, we were in a level two, level three threat, and then all of North Georgia at one point was in a level three threat. All the talk yesterday morning was about the atmosphere becoming unstable, where the sunshine was breaking through. But the bottom line came that dry air was drawn into the storm system from the west, and that put the lid on everything that was severe that was developing in metro Atlanta. So keep in mind... Our meteorologist and here on radio, Christina Edwards, they do the best they can with the information they have, but they'd rather be wrong by overwarning you than surprised with a sudden outbreak, outbreak, severe storm or t- tornado that they didn't have an opportunity to warn you about. So be grateful that a lot of those graduations were able to happen yesterday. Congratulations to Georgia State University and other grads. Um, and, you know, a little bit of rain on the way in this morning, but no big deal. Everything's going to move out of Metro Atlanta. Today's going to be pretty pretty nice. We'll have a look at your complete forecast in just a few minutes and the top three things to do in the landscape. When we return, you're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. Certainly really windy yesterday, huh? Did you have any limbs or just mass Clumps of leaves and things, clusters of leaves fall off the trees. I uh, chose yesterday of all days to mow the lawn and uh, really had to pick up all that yard debris before I mowed. So it's going to be a little windy today, but I think tomorrow is going to be a lot more pleasant. And hey, I think I am going out after the show. I can't even keep track of my schedule. Yes, Smoke on the Lake, which is a barbecue festival over in the downtown Kennesaw area. Uh, I will be out there from 
10 to 1, helping the Kennesaw Public Safety Foundation, which supports the Kennesaw Police Department. So I hope you will come by. 404-872-0750. Time for this. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right, easy stuff, because you'll spend some time outside. I already have a honey-do list for my husband because it's not going to rain. So, uh, yeah, there's stuff to do out there. But number one, you could start with this. Keep an eye out for aphids on your outdoor plants. You'll see them maybe collecting along rose stems and on the undersides of leaves. And then they leave a black sooty mold on the leaves, which you'll notice. And if you're able to wipe that off with your finger, that's where it's coming from. It's coming from the aphids. And they suck the sap out of the, the plant leaves and stems, so... Uh, they're going to do some damage, but no need to use any insecticide necessarily. You can just blast them off with the hose. Number two, in the last segment, I just talked about planting dahlias. It has seemed intimidating to me just because it's something I've not done, but I think I'm empowered now. Take a listen to this. I'm Frank. I'm the president of the Dahlia Society of Georgia, and now's the time to plant dahlias. Dahlias are really pretty simple to plant. You need to have the ground very friable, uh, work humus into the soil, certainly break up the soil under any circumstances. Uh, They're usually planted about 24 to 36 inches apart. Now, when you plant your tubers, make sure to put a stake in the ground. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be big box uh, stakes that they sell, the green stakes or rebar or wood or whatever. Put the uh, eye of the tuber near the stake and then cover it up. Now, you really, I know people love to fertilize, and if it makes you feel better, throw a handful of Osmocote or something in the soil and mix it in good or some other attendant, and it doesn't matter. But you really don't need to fertilize it. And uh, as the green sprout uh, grows, you'll want to tie it to the stake about every 12 inches. Uh, again, you can use anything to tie to the stake. The cheap and the easy thing is using yarn. Yarn works really well, and it's readily available. So that sounds a lot less intimidating to me. That's pretty simple. That's pretty basic on how to plant dahlias. So again, thanks to Frank McComb. You'll hear that again throughout the show if you missed any of that uh, with number two. Number three, plant colorful summer flowers. Sabrina on Facebook reached out and asked just what would be good flowers for a porch that receives full sun. She noticed her uh, violas and pansies starting to fade, which, yeah, they can't tolerate. Day before yesterday, I think it got up to 90 degrees. So here's some suggestions, and I will be posting these on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page later on Pictures in case you're not sure what some of these are Gerber daisies, begonias Coleus, coleus doesn't flower But it's just a really fun, colorful uh, Leafy plant That that starts off small But man, it, it goes gangbusters And it's just really a lot of texture, dimension And color without flowers uh, Geraniums, sun patience Which you'll see in all of the nurseries uh, Just a knockoff of the impatience That you've heard the names of for sure But sun patience Uh, Grown and I guess hybridized To be able to withstand a little more sun Petunias And you can get the cool wave variety of petunia And that is uh, a good spiller In any kind of container or basket Because it's going to it's going to cascade down So cool wave petunias are going to be beautiful And that's a very easy plant to deadhead too As soon as the flower starts to fade You deadhead that And how about vinca and celosia I have two celosia plants waiting to plant on my back deck And they're kind of fuzzy They're called coxcombs as well Kind of fuzzy little plants And you can get them in bright orange and yellows and pink And uh, they're a lot of fun And again, just add that texture to some baskets If you're putting multiple things in 404-872-0750 Can't wait to hear from you On Green and Growing We'll be back on WSB 
Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Back to the show just like that. 404-872-0750. Again, I'm back live with you this Saturday. I was away last Saturday um, and maybe off Memorial Day weekend. I haven't decided. But I do have a good time putting together shows uh, so that you almost can't even tell when I take a Saturday off. I kind of take note of some of the best calls that I've had or the ones that uh, really don't get outdated, you know, that they can last for another few weeks and some of the great questions and situations you all come up with. So you may uh, hear those, some of the interviews I go out and do, I'm really excited about and bring that information and that knowledge back to you about things, you know, going on in the community, things people are doing. 404-872-0750. So one of the things going on in the community um, of late that some of you may or may not have heard about was the B story at Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport. This was kind of crazy. From NPR to the Washington Post, media outlets were all abuzz about the bees that were left to die at Hartsfield. And I'm not putting any blame on anyone. There's always um, some kind of hazards, you know, when you're trying to ship uh, cargo as it pertains to being live animals or insects or anything like that. Uh, but I followed the story just because it was so interesting. And there was a Facebook post on the Facebook page for the Metro Atlanta Beekeepers Association. Edward Morgan was pretty active. Joby Evans are pretty active on that page. And uh, Edward mentioned, you know, after I received a phone call from a commercial beekeeper in, Atla- in Alaska, she had 200 bee packages rerouted to Atlanta from Sacramento. And she asked for help when she found out they weren't being shipped on time or they had stopped over where they weren't supposed to, uh, checking up on making sure they were going to arrive to Alaska. So Edward says, after assessing the situation, there were approximately 10 packages of dead bees. And I realized that whatever was left wasn't going to make it to Alaska for a 3 p.m. flight that week. So some bees were saved. Uh, there was there was a mass call on beekeepers in the Atlanta area to head to Hartsfield, see what they could do as far as just salvaging what was left. Um, some bees were saved. Grateful for helping a fellow beekeeper from Alaska, he says, who said her supplier was in California. And there's talk about who's going to replace the shipment. It was worth about $48,000. Um, And she said she's hoping Delta provides some help, but she, yes, acknowledged that shipping live animals carries a risk. So it was good that uh, the beekeepers here in Metro Atlanta kind of put out an an all-call for help. They just, there was no way they could sit on that tarmac and get so hot this week or two ago as this happened. Um, So if you're interested in beekeeping, too, you know, there are active communities. Facebook is just always the first place that I think to tell you to go. And I know a lot of you aren't on Facebook, but there's websites too. So the Facebook page is Metro Atlanta Beekeepers Association. And that's a really good one to follow uh, just for, you know, news stories like that. And of course, classes and other helpful information. And also the Georgia Beekeepers Association. And that's gabeekeeping.com, their website, gabeekeeping.com. And uh, we'll talk to someone in just a little bit in the next half hour or so that has kept bees and knows a little bit about it, in case you're interested in that. And I've done some stories on on apiaries, and the last one I got to visit was with Becky Griffin up at the uh, research campus up in North Georgia for the University of Georgia, and I learned a lot. It's still not my, uh, I don't think it's my thing. I, I don't think I have the, the patience or the time or the room 
in my landscape necessarily, but it is necessary, and people that do it really, really enjoy doing that. So uh, good for people coming together, really, the Georgia Beekeeping Association and the Metro Atlanta Beekeepers for helping this this customer in Alaska who never thought she would have anything to do with a beekeeping group in Atlanta, but so goes so goes the way it was. 404-872-0750. So I mentioned that when I was in Colorado visiting my dad, a lot of things really different out there. Um, as far west as I'd ever, well, been was California, but it's been t- probably 20 years. So ju- that was just a, an elongated stay in Colorado. And something so simple as going to a big box store and dad was looking to get a new leaf blower. So we went into a big box store, started uh, pricing out and looking at leaf blowers not a single one of four major brands to be gasoline powered. So we stopped an associate who was new at that store. He'd only been there about a week. And my dad's like, where's a gasoline blower? Am I missing something? These are all electric. And so not that I could find that uh, Colorado has passed any legislation or anything like that. But, you know, a lot of times the politics out west don't necessarily mirror or similar to those here in the southeast. But uh, closest to Colorado, of course, California. And I did do a little bit of research. And yeah, California enacts a ban on gas-powered lawnmowers, leaf blowers, and generators. And they're looking for that to take place as early as 2024. So this article on Car and Driver uh, they've they've done research that the California Air Resources Board kind of is quoting as far as why their decision is is this way. So I'm wondering, you know, is gas going away? What does that mean for the rest of us? I'm not sure, and I don't know how you feel about that. Gas versus electric. You're certainly welcome to call and weigh in, see if it, it makes a difference to you on day-to-day, 404-872-0750. But some of the research here determined that if you use a gas-powered leaf blower for an hour, it could emit as much smog-forming pollution as a 2016 Toyota Camry driving for 1,100 miles. That's, I, that's kind of a crazy number. And then if you use just your average walk-behind, push-behind lawnmower, gasoline-powered, that's like that same little 2016 Toyota Camry driving 300 miles as far as just the emissions and the, and the pollution that it puts out. So the new law was driven in part by the efforts of the California Air Resources Board. They say they've worked for decades to clean up the state's air, obviously a pretty large population out that way. Uh, but we'll kind of see if, if that's something that we may see. When we think small gas engines, that could be, again, the mowers, the blowers, and generators. Um, so really what they're looking to do is – to apply, you know, engines built on or after January 1st, 2024. Um, so obviously what the stores have in stock right now are able to stay, but that's just maybe kind of the way. So if you have any strong feelings about that, I, I don't. I just thought it was very interesting how different things are and all of these things take a long time to put into action. And there's there's always, you know, a group that benefits and there's always someone that certainly could get hurt by it as well. But I think the larger companies like Ryobi and Toro and all that could probably pivot and may have already been headed in that direction anyways. But yeah, 404-872-0750 if you have any thoughts on that. Now, some of the questions that I've received from you recently, really, really great, thoughtful questions as well, asking about plant identification. Um, I had Robin yesterday on the Facebook page. She follows Green and Growing WSB. Send me this picture of this beautiful plant 
uh, with very deep green leaves, almost black from a distance. They look black with small, light, light purple tubular flowers. And she said, you know, a friend of mine's got this. I had no luck finding it. And do you have an app that you would recommend that I could identify this myself? So I recognize those little tubular flowers as Velvet Elvis or Velvet Diva. And that's a really, really pretty plant. Um, other folks have asked me about things to, you know, identify in their landscape, whether it's Confederate jasmine or something like that, or even pests. Um, there are also apps that will help you identify pests that you've got in your landscape as well. So some of the ones I recommend, Google Lens, it's not specific to plants necessarily, but Google Lens can identify a great number of things for you. If you just open Google, you see in the search bar where you go to type something, there's a picture of a microphone, which is for you to dictate to it rather than type. But right next to that is a picture of a camera, and that's where you would use Google Lens. Hold it up to the plant, you know, make sure it's not blurry, you're holding it pretty steady. Um, there's Plant Snap. I'm pretty sure last time I checked, Plant Snap was a free app as well. And Seek, there's one that's green with a white leaf on it, and it's Seek by iNaturalist, and that's another good one as well. So you're able to kind of identify some of those. Um, and I also got um, pictures of moles, tomato plants, and just a really close-up of some of the leaves curling at the top of the plant and said, what causes three-week-old tomatoes? They've only been in the ground for three weeks. To have curly tops, and do I need to worry that's going to spread to other ones in the row? Do I need to yank them out and trash them? What's going on? So the picture that I got, it wasn't really, really clear exactly what was going on, but I noticed a little bit of leaf curl in mine as well when I went out there yesterday. And keep in mind, if you looked at anything in your garden yesterday, Thursday was so incredibly hot. Thursday got up to like 90 degrees, literally 89. <laughs> I was out planting tomato plants in 90 degree weather and just about had a heat stroke. Um, so I do remember Thursday was, so if you saw something yesterday, it just could be still the plant kind of curling up a little bit to protect itself. But leaf curl and tomatoes sometimes make me think of herbicides that could have been used in the nearby area. That's how a plant like a tomato is going to react. Those leaves are going to curl. And you think, well, I didn't use Roundup or anything like that in my landscape, but there's drift. Things are carried in the air. So maybe the landscape crew at the neighbor's house next door or something may have used that. And that's kind of a worst case scenario, but that'll eventually kill tomatoes if it is, if it is in fact herbicide damage. So something that I warned uh, Mole about, just keep an eye on it, make sure that the leaves don't curl and then yellow and then die because that's not a good sign for the plant at all. But eventually that could be uh, its demise. And we talked about Sabrina as, uh, reaching out about recommendations for flowering plants in pots on a porch that gets full sun. Violas, pansies have wilted in the heat and, and are going to continue to do so. You might get another week or two of enjoyment out of them, but that's it. So for her, great suggestions. When I visited uh, the Pike Nursery Farm up in Ringgold, Georgia, about a month ago, I saw all these plants before you got to see them head to the nursery, and they were just going gangbusters, protected in those greenhouses. They have now made their way to all the Pike Nursery locations, but look for sun patients. There's a ton of sun patients and impatients in the nurseries right now, and they all look beautiful. Some of them blooms almost as big as my palm. New Guinea impatients, uh, those are pretty stunning to look at. Just easy to keep up with throughout the summer, too, deadhead them. Adraniums and begonias, if you're looking for something a little bigger or maybe something in a hanging basket, those are going to do well for you. Petunias are one of my favorites, and typically we think of petunias kind of that trumpet-like tubular flower, all different colors. There could even be purple and white or multicolors on one flower, but um, think of those as 
annuals usually, but I had a petunia planted at my mailbox last year. Didn't think another thing about it. It died back. You know, I cut back all the dead stuff. And lo and behold, it has come back this year at the mailbox. Big, full, beautiful. And I've got pink flowers just as I did last year. Didn't have to do mailbox planting this year. That was pretty helpful. Um, Something that I am going to put out too, Celosia. And I've recommended that to about three friends recently who have asked me for recommendations. Celosia is also called coxcomb. And it's just like a cool little pointed, feathery-looking bloom on those plants and they come in like yellows, oranges, and pinks. And those are all really good suggestions for full sun. The the only one in this list that may not like the full sun as much as begonias. I think they may want a little bit more shade. Um, but all the other ones, full sun, they can tolerate being out at your mailbox, the porch, any direction that faces full sun. 404-872-0750. It's that time. It's time to take a break and we'll return to green and growing. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. All right. Chief Meteorologist there on WSB Radio, Christina Edwards. The full forecast comes up in less than 10 minutes. Green. Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right. Number one, you can plant dahlia tubers in full sun and well-draining soil. And you can throw a little bit of slow-release fertilizer on them now, but you certainly don't have to. You may want to wait later to do that. Add some hummus, humus, whichever way you want to say it, to the soil. And consider using stakes for them uh, to keep them tall and beautiful. And also, not to go all uh, ADHD on you, but talking about having the stakes already in place for when the dahlias come up. Um, Jim on Facebook asking for something to stake tomatoes with as well. Um, So really, you can use almost anything. You can use small PVC piping. You can use small pieces of wood. Um, You know, I mean, not something like shoe molding, not that small uh, from the big box stores, but any kind of uh, piece of small lumber or, you know, old uh, deck railing, like pickets that size, maybe, what is that, two by two? Um, Cages are always a good idea for for tomatoes as well. It doesn't matter the size. Um, there's just a lot of things. I mean, even an old shovel handle. I know that sounds silly, but if you have a shovel that broke, um, that would that would work just fine. But stakes for the dahlias, and that way, when the stem starts to grow, you'll just lightly have something to tie that stem to because those dahlia blooms get really, really big. So you can use yarn or something really gentle. Uh, Number two, keep an eye out for aphids on outdoor plants. You'll see them uh, congregating on rose stems or the undersides of leaves. And then they leave behind a black sooty mold, which you might notice on the leaves as well. If you're able to run that off with your, rub that off with your finger, that's what that is. It's not some kind of leaf spot or fungus. It's black sooty mold. The way to get rid of aphids, really, no insecticide necessary unless you have some just awful infestation. Blast them off with a garden hose. Usually that'll suffice and they'll just go elsewhere. Some of them will die that way. Uh, number three, again, colorful summer summer flowers. I'm going to keep talking about that because I'm so bummed that irises and rhododendrons and all these beautiful things that have started blooming in the landscape recently, they just don't last long. And peonies too, they just don't last very long. They start to fade. So you really want to start thinking about great pops of color and man, that heat's coming fast. So you want these things that are going to be able to tolerate full sun, Gerber daisies, begonias, 
coleus, geraniums, sun patients, impatients, New Guinean patients, any variety of that's going to be beautiful. And they come with the different colored leaves and, of course, the different colored flowers. Uh, Petunias is just a good old standby. Cool Wave Petunias is the brand that trails that's good for that spiller if you're thinking of thrillers, fillers, and spillers when you're trying to layer a container. That's going to be one of those great things that just spills over the sides. Vinca and Celosia and Salvia is a good one too. That's going to attract the hummingbirds. That's going to attract the bees. Uh, 404-872-0750. I've heard myself talk enough in this hour. I'm ready to talk to you. I'm ready to hear from you. 404-872-0750. And Mickey Gasway, your favorite Pike Nursery associate, in studio with me with her son Jay. And I am bound and determined to get Jay to talk on the radio. Jay Gasway, for any of you that know him, you know he's a talker. But I ask him to talk on the radio and he clams up. But anyways, we're going to have some fun with Mickey. If you have garden questions for her, some maybe heirloom plants or just anything that's not working right for you. She loves working with Pike customers and will offer you the same great advice. We're going to have a good time and talk about beekeeping, zoysia lawn, all kinds of things with Mickey and vegetable gardening too. So we'll be back to start the 7 o'clock hour in just a few minutes. It's going to happen fast right here on 95.5 WSB.